0: This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 17. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with Renee Hendrickson about living simply and intentionally. We're talking about how to host an intellectual playdate and themes from the book Happy Are You Poor. Friends, I love how Renee chooses simplicity to be more available for the Lord and more available to her family. And I think you're going to receive so much encouragement from this chat. I know I walked away with some great ideas for how to better love my own family. Be sure to stay tuned for the end because Renee's mom hack is always saying yes to her kids. (laughs) Sounds crazy, right? Wait to hear how she does it. I hope those of you listening in the U.S. had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend I'm really grateful for all of you who listen in each week, and thanks again for listening today. Here is my chat with Renee. Hi Renee, thanks so much for chatting with me today, I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be here, thanks Amber. Uh, this is kind of a fun setting because usually when I do the conversations, it's online, so we are in person here today at Renee's home, which is wonderful. And so for our listeners, you get to kind of enjoy this like authentic kind of in the living room conversation. Yes. And maybe some ambiance of children. <laughs> I know, it's very peaceful, needing yeah. nap time, so. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But if you hear things in the background, then um, it'll just be familiar to your own home. So, right. <laughs> um, well, Renee, maybe we can start off and you can tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, Carl, and I have been married coming up
1: on seven years, and we're here in Minnesota. We have two kids. Andre just turned three, and Stella will turn one next month. And before I stayed home full-time, I was a second-grade teacher. Hmm. And that's still, I feel like, very much who I am and how my brain works. And I, right now, when I stay home, I am so grateful to stay home full-time, but I do some part-time childcare, care, um, which is great, because kids come over and play with my kids, and especially <laughs> my oldest is super social, so I will often get more things done when he has a buddy to play with, uh, yeah. so we we love the Lord and want to be saints, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: as, as many of you listeners desire the same thing, mm-hmm. so... That's, that's me in a nutshell.
0: I love that. That's great. I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, but second grade was my favorite grade. <laughs> my teacher, Mrs. Araldson, she's yes, my favorite. So I also loved it. Mrs. Morris Weiler. But it's fun. Yeah. Um, and that's so great about um, watching other children as well, because I've found even having people over, um, having other kids over, it's amazing. Sometimes I can actually get more done mm-hmm. when there's other kids over yep. playing with my kids because yep. they have someone to play with, and I have a little time to yeah. do dishes or laundry or whatever. So Yes. That's great. Um, so I wanted to have you on to talk about a few different things. Um, the first is that when we were living in Minnesota, um, we've since moved to Ohio, but when we were here, um, I would come over to your house occasionally for um, something called uh, IPD, mm-hmm. which is intellectual play dates. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about um, kind of how that started and what it is. Yeah.
1: Well, I have to give a shout out to Jackie Wald who started it when she started staying home with her kids and she saw a real need for stimulating intellectual conversations. She and many other moms um, are well-educated and intelligent, thoughtful women who made the choice to stay home with their kids, which is a beautiful calling and vocation, mm-hmm. but perhaps not super intellectually stimulating, mm-hmm. and so she, and what we did too, would, would be have a weekly or every other week, intentional discussion with other moms, and it was a great chance for our kids to play, and mm-hmm. there was an understanding that interruptions happen, and if you have to step out to you know, do a diaper change or handle a tantrum or what you know, whatever. Right. That was normal, um, but it was a chance to have a discussion beyond really surface level parenting topics, like what kind of diaper rash cream works for you, which is important yeah. to know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, kind of using our brains like that, so.
0: Mm.
1: Um, The leader or host would send out an article, usually a blog post or something online, to read ahead of time and a couple of discussion questions to ponder about and chew on so that when the discussion started, we would be able to jump right in. Mm. It was like a lot of the benefits of a book club without the commitment of needing to read a book or... And it was great because it was a standalone event. We had a new topic every week. So if you couldn't come one week, you didn't miss out the next right. week or whatnot. And a lot of the things we talked about were related to parenting. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorites were discussions on um, like how do you talk to your kids about some issues like with gay and lesbian and transgender individuals, and what do you expose them to mm-hmm. or try to, how do you talk about that? And mm-hmm. Just really practical help. Or We talked one week about nature deficit disorder and how do we get our kids in nature and engaging mm-hmm. the world and God's creation fully. But they weren't all about parenting. Some of them were just, we talked about immigration and we talked about mm-hmm. sustainable eating and we talked about euthanasia. Right. And so sometimes different hot-button topics, too, mm-hmm. and would have discussion for discussion's sake. My favorite topics were ones where there was not a clear right or wrong answer, mm. um, but there was room for valid interpretations of applications to do God's will in our lives and our family's lives.
0: Right. I love that. That's beautiful. And I love what you said about have it's like a standalone topic as well so if someone new is coming in or you just want to invite a friend it's great yeah (laughs) yeah and um what's great is that it's other moms too and so if you read most of the article or are not even able to get to it but just want to come and be part of the discussion that was beautiful as well I always felt so welcome and um, that is just a great thing um so what would you say if people are listening now and this seems like interesting to yeah. them? Maybe they'd love to have something like this um, in their community um, or at their church um, with other moms. How would you recommend going about that? Is there are there any resources out there, or do you just kind of put it together um, as it comes each week? You just pick a new article. Or...
1: Yeah, that's what we did. I mean. At this point, there has been an IPD group in our area for four or five years. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of done a lot of different topics. So if somebody wants to get in touch, I can kind of like forward emails to them. Oh, great. But also it's just really like what's interesting to you and finding then a resource that is manageable and bite-sized to read. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had been reading this book. Last Child in the Woods on nature deficit disorder. And I thought this would be a great topic. I'd love to talk about this with mm. other moms. But I'm not everybody's going to read this book. So all I did was do a little Google search and found, right. I mean, it could be like a book summary. It could be an article. This, I think, was an interview with the author that was promoting something or other. Okay. But it gave you enough of a sense of what was going on. And then write some discussion questions and then go from there. Yeah. On a practical level, what worked for us was to have, we. I invited people come at 9.30, anytime after 9.30, but then we're going to start the discussion at 10 mm-hmm. and end by 11. Um, and we would always do like a little icebreaker before, just mm-hmm. because like you said, new people come um, and or not everybody remembers everybody's name right? or their kids' names especially. Yeah. <laughs> so. We would spend maybe the first five to 10 minutes doing kind of that introduction slash icebreaker. Sometimes it was related to the topic, but not always. Mm. And then go through the discussion questions. Um, and I've seen it work both with one person leading and choosing the topic every week, but also, especially if you get a little bit of a pattern established, inviting other women to choose mm. a topic they're passionate about and lead the discussion so then you would sign up you would invite members in your group to sign up for leading this week or this week or this week Mm. and then they would email the group ahead of time and whatnot and i did find it helpful to send the article five to seven days in advance where it wasn't too far so it didn't get lost in the bowels of inboxes but not so far that people didn't have time to prepare Right. And then I would often do just a quick summary of the article at the beginning in case somebody came and didn't have time to read it because mm-hmm. that always happens. So
0: Right. Yeah. That's great. And so then just the practicals of like having the kids around. Yeah. Um, we had it in the upstairs of your home just in a big room. Yeah. Right. And so um, what do people need to maybe take into consideration for that, just having toys yeah. around? we We worked – well, I mean – I think it can work
1: in whatever space you can make it work. It worked mm-hmm. well for us to kind of have the moms in a circle. And so then there was, for the kids who could play on their own, there was kind of other space. And it was clear when you were entering into the circle and right. enter, not entering, but then moms, like, could hold babies or
0: mm-hmm.
1: or toddlers who didn't want to or kids <laughs> who went
0: time out or, you know, whatever. Right.
1: <laughs> Um, And and as a group leader, I always made sure or tried to make sure to mention at the beginning, like, this is IPD, this is, like, life happens, this is normal, so Mm -hmm. if you need to leave or step out or whatever, that's totally fine. Um, But but if that happens, then trying to keep the conversation going, because Mm -hmm. if we stopped every time we got interrupted, we would never talk about anything. Right. Um, And then... It just helped to have a baby gate and kind of a defined space where they could go or not go. That's great. And we used to do snacks, and then I cut that because it was, like, too messy. But <laughs> Especially if you're in an area where it's nicer, you do it in the summer. Which meeting outside has worked, too. Oh, so, yeah. And I know one group met through the summer and would just meet at a park. So the mm. kids would play, and then the moms kind of stood in one area and conversed, but it depends a little bit on who you think might be interested and the ages of their kids and the space you have available. But I encourage people to pray about it too. And I would always start and end with a prayer, um, just that the Lord works out some of those practical things, especially if you feel like some of them might be challenges.
0: Right. That's great. Um, One other thing that uh, I wanted to mention about um, IPD is um, after our discussions, I would always have so much to share with other moms mm. or my husband. And um, it was great. I mean, some of the questions that were asked are ones that just kind of stick with you and you uh, want to continue thinking about it and um, asking other questions. So um, I guess my question for you is, how has IPD been a benefit to you as a mom and kind of impacted maybe your family or community?
1: Outside? Yeah. I think it's been a great forum to have intentional discussions Mm -hmm. about lots of different topics, particularly ones that affect family, um, and really reap the benefits of shared wisdom Mm -hmm. of this is how this family does this, or this is how this sister in the Lord thinks about this, or... I mean, yeah... And, and it's great to, to have a play date and like my kids loved it too. Right. So, you know, just on a, on a really small daily level, it was great. And it was an enjoyable way to, to get to know sisters better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also some of the bigger long term benefits of thinking about things or topics that other people chose that I wouldn't have chosen mm. to dive into.
0: Right. We've, I, I appreciated yeah and I love that that um, you know many of the women uh, that would come to the group had college degrees and mm-hmm. had studied in various oh, yeah. fields and Totally. but then after becoming a mom maybe just haven't been engaged in as much and yep. um, you know directed reading like that and being able to discuss more so um, I love that and I think it's a, a great opportunity for mom so maybe what I'll do is I'll put your contact information in mm-hmm. the show notes for people who might want to contact you. Sure. Get more info about it. Great. So the other thing I wanted to chat with you about is um, a book that you actually recommended to me. It's called Happy Happy Are You Poor uh, by Thomas Toupe. And um, this was a book. I think what happened was we had been talking about uh, simplicity and simple living. I'm not sure if it was from an IPD discussion or or where that came from, but um you had said to me something along the lines of, you know, I thought I was living simply until I read this book. (laughs) And um that was really convicting for me. Like, oh my goodness, I think I need to give this a shot as well. So you let me borrow it. I had a chance to read it. And really it was um it was crazy (laughs) how much um you know my thoughts on things Shifted, and uh, in particular about uh, living simply, what it means to live simply, and how that connects to the gospel. And um, so, I'd love to hear from you just a little bit about the book, maybe like some of your favorite parts of it. Yeah,
1: I love this book, and so you're gonna just have to talk, cut me off, (laughs) and you're done. You're done with it. Um, And I love it so much because it really, I feel like. My husband and I um, share the sentiment that this, for us, is like our path to holiness. Mm-hmm. And Father Dubé, in his book, makes the argument that every single saint has lived this gospel poverty. Mm-hmm. And if, therefore, if I want to be a saint, I need to figure this out. Um, and it's really challenging, but it's also very practical. Mm-hmm. So I think he does a nice job of... Laying out the foundation, but it's not just theory, but it's also not a checklist either. You know, it still requires people to go into prayer. But uh, the gist of the book is is talking about like yes, this evangelical poverty or gospel poverty, this simple living. So the Lord Jesus during His time talks so much about money. Mm and it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven and um, blessed are the poor in spirit Um, Mm -hmm. and he himself was poor and the holy family was poor and there's just so many examples that clearly this is important. Mm-hmm. But what does that really mean? Right. And what does that mean for me here in the 21st century in mm-hmm. the United States of America? Um, so he goes a little bit about kind of defining gospel poverty by spending a decent chunk of the book defining what it is not and common misconceptions. And that was really helpful for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, saying gospel poverty is not thriftiness for the sake of thriftiness. Mm -hmm. There is an end goal. There is a reason Mm. to live with less. And he says evangelical poverty makes possible and easier to attain four things a radical readiness.
0: Mm.
1: So, having less things makes me more. Available mm. to respond to the Lord when he calls and to hear that. Okay. A sensitivity to what Jesus is about. A sharing with the needy. An apostolic credibility. And I guess there's five things. A pilgrim witness in a world of dwindling resources. Mm. Um, so, So living that evangelical poverty allows for those things. So it's not an end in and of of itself. It's also not. And he makes the point of we we, we know people who are so thrifty or so so penny-pinching that they're miserly. Mm -hmm. And that is not what the Lord is after. Right. He's after generosity. Mm. Um. And it's also not simply detachment, Mm -hmm. saying, well, you can be a multimillionaire, but if you're detached from your things and you're ready to give them away, that's fine. And he just really drives home the point of like, it's not just an attitude. It is like a reality of you, you, you need less. And that part is so, so, so challenging.
0: Right.
1: Um, but he really makes a strong case for it and using Mm -hmm. scripture to really back it up.
0: Well, what's interesting about that part in particular is, um, I, I was one of those people who (laughs) thinks, Oh, I'm detached from Mm -hmm. things. And, um, yeah, I have these things, but I feel like I'm detached. I'm detached from them. And he says in the book, you know, detachment, Um, You know, the spirit of poverty and detachment is a good thing, Yep. but it's not the only thing. You actually need to practice that detachment. And so um, a funny thing that had happened while I was reading that chapter, and um, I was kind of feeling good about myself, like, oh, I'm detached from all these things. Um, I was thinking, and I had a very specific conversation with two women earlier in the day, and I was Telling them about the book and I said, you know, um, I have this, these China, this China set, these plates and bowls, and I love them. But I think like if someone were to come over and say, I love that bowl, I'd be able to say, oh, why don't you take it if you love it? I have more than enough for my family. And then literally that that (laughs) evening, I had someone else over and she had said to me, I was setting the table, oh my goodness, I love your china. Is that the chirp (laughs) Lennox uh, dinner fair? I was like, it is. And she said, I love it. I have been wanting to get a set, but I think I'm just going to have to wait till I'm married to register for it and oh I could not part with it (laughs) I could not part with one set um and I was telling my husband later like we had enough for our family why couldn't I say why don't you take a plate and a bowl if you love it because we have enough but um really the Lord was driving that home for Mm -hmm. me that you know a spirit of detachment and then actually practicing that detachment are two very different things and um yes, yeah, so that's one of the things that definitely stood so out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so he also talks about in the book how the common notion of poverty sometimes people um just think of that as destitution. Yes. So Right. Yeah, maybe you can speak about that a little bit. How it's it's not that um what our common notion of Yeah, and I think of the the God
1: the Father wants us to be well cared for and Mm. provided for and have our needs met for sure and so it's not about just scraping by or being dirty or you Mm -hmm. know tattered clothes Um, but sharing to the point of equality Mm. It's really what he's
0: after yeah Um, for our Catholic listeners in the catechism, there's, um, a paragraph, um, I'm trying to remember the number. My husband and I have like funny ways to remember the th- different paragraphs. I think it's 24, 2446, um, which, uh, basically there's a quote from St. John Chrys- Chrysostom, and, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something along the lines of, um, like if you have two coats mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you have a you know a neighbor who has none the second coat actually belongs to your neighbor and he goes as so far as to say you're actually stealing from your neighbor by having two coats yeah. when when your name when your neighbor has none and um that giving your neighbor that second coat is not an act of charity but actually an act of justice, justice yeah yeah um Another part of the book, uh, I, I loved that really the Lord brought another situation into my life at the same time when I was reading it, is uh, the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had always just assumed, of course I love my neighbor. Um, and then reading the book and really being challenged by a few things, I started questioning, do I really love my neighbor as myself? I was thinking oh yeah I think I think I do and then um, uh, I was driving with my husband and we saw someone um, on the side of the road um, asking for money Um, and usually what we do I mean I know people have different opinions about this but we usually have lunch bags in the back Mm -hmm. or gift cards that we give to um, someone who might be asking for money but in this situation we didn't have any lunch bags made and didn't have any gift cards at the time and so I opened my wallet to see what was in there and I had a $5 bill and I had a $20 bill Mm. and I could not give the $20 bill. And, um, I was afterwards, I was thinking about it and discussing it with Cameron and saying, if I really loved my neighbor as myself, I think I would have given the 20. Um, and you know, there's different thoughts on that, people yep. asking for yep. money, but that was just a way that the Lord, I think, was speaking to me specifically um, and challenging me. Like, do you really yeah. love your neighbor as yourself? Um, so what about you? How has um, maybe reading this book or other um, articles, books about, you know, simple living um, impacted you and, and your family life? Have you noticed, um, have you made you know, changes since reading the book in your family yeah. life? Um, there's a few things
1: that come to mind. We, on a practical level, we have worked over the last several years and are still have a long way to go to eat in a more sustainable manner and prepare mm-hmm. food um, in in ways that make it sustainable for the rest of the world so Mm. this is like happy are you poor meets the omnivore's dilemma great i love it Um. (laughs) so choosing just like to eat less meat Mm -hmm. doing some of our own canning and preserving not that that necessarily saves us a lot of money but there's an element of simplicity in that Mm. um and then eating kind of what's in season,
0: mm.
1: and then eating simple foods. Mm. And there's just a real detachment from having every meal taste like a gourmet meal. Mm. What are we having again? Rice and beans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I know so many different ways to prepare rice and beans. That's great. Um
0: And for so much of the world, that's, that's their what meal. They, yeah, right?
1: exactly. And so there's a little bit of solidarity in that. And... Mm. Um, simplicity on my part, mm-hmm. and especially during Lent and Advent, we, we go real simple. And it is a real gift to me, as mm-hmm. the person who prepares the food, to just say, you know what, we're going to have one kind of rice and bean dish, and maybe right. a salad, and it totally meets our nutritional needs and, and sustenance, but it's not really exciting.
0: Right.
1: And it doesn't mean it's not t- tasty,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: there's... Yeah, the simplicity and kind of lack of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll eat it multiple days in a row or certainly, but that totally frees up my time. Mm, and I look right. forward to cooking during Lent and Easter or Lent and Advent because it's like, great. It just, it's a real like, tangible way to say that doing less in the kitchen means I can do more playing with my kids, kids or
0: prayer wow. or being attentive to the needs of others. I love that how do you how do your kids I guess maybe it's become a practice now where they're kind of used to the simpler meals or was that um, is that difficult for them to just do rice and beans do they love it no I mean the kids don't have any expectation of right
1: what is you know expected or normal or whatever mm. at least at least our kids don't so and part of that's because we've been doing it since they were little so
0: right that's yeah. great I love it
1: so so eating is, is something like a, a practical example of things that we're trying to change. And then I would say being really intentional with making sure that we, Carl and I, and also our children have opportunities to be close to the poor.
0: Mm.
1: Because the Lord makes so clear that that's where he is. Mm. And that's his, yeah, he's he's in the face of the poor, distressed and marginalized.
0: Wow, so and, what does that look like practically? Yeah,
1: what it doesn't look like is going down to the soup kitchen. Uh-huh. Because With that's really, yeah, <laughs> it's just really not practical mm-hmm. for our family to do that. Um, so it does look like identifying po- the poor in our life mm. and... Often that is spiritually poor and relationally mm. poor people. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then making an effort to say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm at this social gathering and there's this really awkward person and I'm going to make a point of talking to them
0: mm.
1: and engaging in them. And that's not who I would choose. Mm. Or we have some friends who are, who Just really, the Lord is like, you need to invest in this relationship. Mm. Um, And it's not who we would choose on our own accord. Mm -hmm. But recognizing that that is good for us. I mean, I think hopefully it's good for them too. But for our own family's sake to be be good because that's where the Lord is. And um, we try to go down to like the little sisters of the poor nursing home and visit. Mm. And you know, when I when we first talked about this had this lofty idea of hour long visits and that I mean it's like fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're done.
0: <laughs> and we have a few effort, residents. Yeah. yeah, but that's great. Um Yeah. So Wow, that's beautiful. I, I I love that because I think when we think about the poor The first thing that came comes to our mind are um materially poor um but those who yeah like you said might be struggling relationally or whatever it might be poverty and spirit that's beautiful yeah i love that Mm.
1: and again it's because it's good for our family
0: Mm, yeah
1: it's good for me yes to step outside of myself um
0: wow yeah that's so true yeah, isn't that funny? When I know for myself when I go into um, a situation thinking, "Oh, this is an act of ser- of service right. that I'm doing." Usually, I'm the one that's ministered to and filled with love and um, yeah, that's just how God God intends it. It's yeah, beautiful.
1: And it's I feel like the example with the you know if you have two clo- two cloaks and your neighbor has none, you need to give them one of them and saying like, well, of course that's better for your neighbor, but really it's better for you because then what what do you need to decide in the morning? You don't need to pick between the two. You just have one, yes. and that's what you put
0: on. <laughs> that's great. So um, in terms of material things mm-hmm. in your home, have you, uh, have you all downsized since reading the book? Yeah, or? it's so hard. We try to
1: keep – I mean, material things are necessary, and they're good. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of, I mean, our kids have toys. I don't want to give you the impression that we live in, like, a bare-bone house. (laughs) But I try really hard to be intentional about what we bring into the house Mm -hmm. and what our kids receive as gifts. Um, And that looks like Legos and dress-up things and lots of books and toys that, Inspire imagination and kind of creative play, and can be used over and over, and or by a kind of a variety of ages, as opposed to like gadgety type things. Sure, Um, and that like I'm super anti kitchen gadget. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) funny! We choose not to have tons of single use appliances or sure. I, I don't want to give any examples because like if you have an avocado peeler or whatever I don't want you to like
0: yeah, you know go but we just choose not to have stuff like that Um I have a funny story about the kitchen because after reading this book and a few other things you know my husband and I have been kind of um, just doing some reading about yeah. minimalism not that we're minimalist but we we just enjoy reading about you yeah. know the process of maybe simplifying and um, so one day he took the kids out and I was just gonna go through the kitchen and just downsize yeah. everything. Um, a friend of ours, Jackie Robel, who mm-hmm. I think you know Jackie, she had said um something they had done um because they realized you know they had a lot of dishes was just going down to four plates, four bowls, that's all they need, four forks. <laughs> and so I just thought that was a great way to start. Okay, I'm just gonna go down to what we need of everything. But then I was on a roll, so I was like, okay, I'll do all the spices. I'll do all the kitchen gadgets, like you said. And we had, (laughs) I think, nine baking sheets, um, seven spatulas, and four potato peelers. Yeah. (laughs) And when my husband came home, I was like, will there ever be a situation when there's four of us in the kitchen peeling potatoes? I can't wait (laughs) for their turn. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So... um, so that was really helpful, yeah. I was just going through and yeah, doing one space at a time.
1: Yes, oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so clothes and um, toys and kitchen things are big things. And I think that one of the things that I love about Happy Are You Poor is that it resonated so much with my lived experience mm. of saying, I have experienced this freedom in living simply particularly I'd lived abroad and lived in Honduras for a year and I like you said I had one bowl and one spoon Mm -hmm. and a fork and a knife and a cup and those were mine and I used them all year and it was just like awesome Mm. now that's not what we choose to do now like it's I really love my dishwasher I really love that we can have you know we have our set of plates and whatever, and that's great. And we can entertain large groups of people and whatnot. But there's it, the book resonated with me because I experienced some of that, you know, and just living out of a suitcase and mm-hmm. there's all sorts of challenges. So I have way more clothes now, but it's also trying to be a good steward of saying, well, I need my, I'm not going to throw out my maternity clothes right? because I don't think we're done having babies. So, you know, it's just, yeah. it's different. Um, but saying, Yeah, what can I do without? And these small house movements or Kanmari or minimalism, mm-hmm. all of these things in the secular world that are just really popular. Mm-hmm. I really think that it's the gospel reality of this simplicity that they are experiencing mm-hmm. on without identifying it as such but there's truth in that Mm -hmm. and people know truth right and it resonates with them so even if they're not calling it that i see those movements as more evidence that this is what is good Mm -hmm. for us i love that but sometimes they go too far Mm -hmm. or just like misidentify what the end goal is sure because again it's not having less for the sake of having less it's having less for the sake of being more available mm. to do in to 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 be and to love the lord and love those around mm. you
0: yes that's exactly it that's beautiful yeah um so kind of going off of that how would you say that um this has impacted your relationship with the lord and your family oh god is so
1: good and he's been so gentle and i am so grateful that he has helped to identify these areas in our lives in my life to grow closer to him mm-hmm. um, one of the things that i did for lent this past year was in cooking less And spending less time in the kitchen, I said, I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day playing with my kids. Mm -hmm. Sounds so silly, but saying, how often do I just sit down and play with them, even though I'm home all day, but play with them uninterrupted or uh, undivided attention Mm. is what I should say. Not necessarily uninterrupted, but undivided attention. I'm not trying to also prep something else or also clean or also do whatever. Right? And it was so good. Mm. And it was so fun and for me it was really hard <laughs> mm. to give myself permission to say no. This is this is what it's all about. Mm. This is why I stay home. Right. Um wow. and it's easier to do that when I'm not picking up toys and cleaning all the time because if, there's, if we have less stuff, then there's less to clean up. Mm-hmm. For example, so there is a part of it that the Lord has really given me that understanding of the correlation of, like, because you are try, trying, striving to do this simple living, this is the fruit of it. And my kids loved it, obviously. Mm-hmm. What kid wouldn't want? that undivided attention from a mom or a dad. And I loved it too. Mm. Um, And it was so helpful then to say even, it's not like Easter came and I was like, okay, I'm done playing with you guys. You know, but (laughs) just to say like, this is a habit that I want to continue. Mm. Um, Even if we're not eating rice and beans every night for dinner, but saying this is what a a normal part of my day should be. Mm. And I think in general, just trying to be attentive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then having a better understanding of what it means to be generous and detached. And so when those opportunities, like somebody saying, oh, I love that. Like somebody had given us this beautiful holy water font and... It was beautiful, but we didn't really have a place for it, and we had another one that we still hadn't put up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, that day, somebody was saying how she was looking for I was like, perfect, take this. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that – I mean, I have numerous examples of when I didn't do that Mm -hmm. because I was attached to things, but – and it just is so – it's so freeing then to – to say, I can respond when the Lord Mm. gives me opportunities. And, yeah.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Um, So what would you say is one of your maybe greatest joys of being a mother and maybe one of your greatest struggles?
1: Yeah. I think that it's just, I love my kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're so great, and it's, especially my three-year-old, it's so incredible to me to meet him as a person. Mm. When he's talking more and conversational and has thoughts Mm. that he's not just repeating back to me, but to say, wow, you are this just unique human being.
0: Mm.
1: Now, I certainly don't think about it all the time like that. (laughs) (laughs) But pausing and, and thinking and saying, yeah. You're incredible. Mm. And for us, we struggled with infertility. And just... I just am so grateful for our children. Mm. And really, they are just living testaments of the Lord wanting to love me and my husband and fulfill our desires and love us. Mm. Um, And... I love staying home, and I wouldn't, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago if I would be a stay-at-home mom, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I really do find a lot of joy in the day-to-day life. One of the things I find most challenging is staying home <laughs> the day-to-day life. Sure. And, um, you know, patience with a three-year-old and mm-hmm. a one-year-old. And right before you came over, it was like there was water spilled in the bathroom, and <laughs> toilet we run out of toilet paper and somebody doesn't want to go down you know and it's just you know right there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so you know just turning to the lord in those moments too is such a challenge and think, there's many times when i think to myself this is where holiness is won and lost mm. you know in this like tantrum mm-hmm. and how do i respond to this right.
0: Sounds mm. great well thank you so much for sharing all that i can just tell like you and your family are just steeped in prayer and i um, just clinging to the lord and i love that i know everyone listening is going to benefit so much from from what you've shared i've benefited just being here with you so uh, okay what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why
1: i do love our kitchen and
0: mm-hmm. i do
1: feel like Having a home open to life and sharing meals together is such a
0: such mm-hmm. a gift. I love that. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier before we started recording that you also have um, three um, single individuals that mm-hmm. also live with your family, um, which is great because you have the, the space for it. And yep. So I'm curious, do they join you for meals ever or what or does that
1: look Yeah, the way we set it up is that we have a house dinner once a week mm-hmm. and so everybody is at that. Um, and then they are invited but not required to join us for other meals.
0: That's great. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. So maybe if people are listening (laughs) and they're like, oh, I have this space that I'm not using, maybe an extra bedroom, extra floor. Um, Was it just um, word of mouth? Well, I guess maybe first of all, how did you all decide that Mm -hmm. um, this was maybe – I don't know if you'd call it a ministry that you were called to or something that you were called to do as a yeah. family, invite people into your home. Um, so I guess, how did you come how to my end up here? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly.
1: So my husband lived with a family when he first moved into town as a single young man. And his relationship with that family and when we were engaged and me getting to know that family was an incredible blessing to us. Mm-hmm. And... It was a great way, even though both of us were raised in, in strong, faithful homes, it was a great way to get a window into, a really personal window into intentional family life that mm-hmm. was not our own. And I think just seeing seeing family life outside of our own can help us put on different lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and just think outside of the box from you know the way that his family did things and the way my family did things. And so... It was just a great Mm -hmm. treasure trove of wisdom to to glean from that. And so, and there's a little bit of saying, gosh, we we have this, we have these extra bedrooms and we don't use them. There's no way we're going to fill them anytime Mm -hmm. soon with our own children or Mm -hmm. us. So, you know, and there's people who need bedrooms and so inviting singles to live with us and there's so many benefits, you know, it's, it's helpful, um, like, it helps pay some of our mortgage because right. they pay us rent. And we hope that it's a blessing to them mm-hmm. to be invited into our family life and share with our family traditions, especially when our kids were young. I really appreciated having other adults around, mm-hmm. even if they're just passing in and out, so that it, I wasn't the only adult in the house and sure. could have multisyllabic words in conversation. Right. And not, you know. <laughs> and but over time i realize that again it's the lord's gift to our family and me in particular as the one who stays home the most of calling me out of my own stubborn habits and communal living is so good for many reasons you know there's like some of that transparency and accountability but then the this sandpaper effect of, seeing mm. you know, I just can't get too stuck in my ways, and when somebody empties the dishwasher and puts things maybe where I wouldn't put them, I can choose to be grateful that somebody emptied the dishwasher, right? and it, <laughs> even though it's not how I would do it, you know, yeah. it's so silly, these things that go through my mind, when things aren't done the way that I would do them, mm. and like marriage you know I feel like it it's like being married Mm. first year again of choosing to say this is not a moral you know issue like how you own the dishwasher but Carl and I have lived together for so long that that has kind of worn down Mm -hmm. where we've learned to live together really well right and mostly because he just defers to me and how i like (laughs) (laughs) things to my shame but then living with other singles like it just keeps me on my toes Mm -hmm. and keeps me from getting too in into myself and in set in my ways Mm -hmm. and um and that's good for my personal sanctification Mm
0: -hmm. i love that oh that's so great um Great. Okay, so moving on to the next question, what is something you are loving recently?
1: So, so I'll share two quick things. One is the Okie Dokie Brothers, which is like very adult-friendly kid music.
0: Okay, I've never <laughs> even heard of them.
1: They're great. It's like bluegrass stuff, and okay. the kids like it, but I... I, I enjoy it too. Okay. And not great. just like bear through it. Yeah,
0: that's great.
1: <laughs> so we have that as our Pandora station
0: uh-huh.
1: right now. And then um, one of the things that I try to do as a mom that I'm just appreciating more and more is always trying to say yes to mm-hmm. my kids. And the three year old's the only one that talks. So his requests of always saying yes. Now that. Yes, almost always comes with a qualification. Right. But to to not say no, mm. to say, you know, can I have dessert? Yes, when it's the Lord's day.
0: Yeah. Can
1: I have a dog? Yes, when you're an adult. <laughs> can, you know, can can we read two books? Yes, I can read you another book after nap.
0: Wow, great. And so
1: rather than shutting him down and saying no, 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 mm saying yes and i feel i so i was thinking about this and saying gosh that's really what the lord says to me mm. is when i ask him something he can say yes yeah no because i've got something better okay well that's great or yes but not yet it's like okay well okay then i can wait
0: wow i love that <laughs> yeah that's amazing
1: that's and it's a little trick that gets to you A lot of bang for your buck, I would say.
0: That's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for chatting with me today. My pleasure. Especially during the very valuable time when the kids are napping. Oh,
1: (laughs) it was really my pleasure. and Know that I will be praying for you and the listeners, Mm. and please pray for me.
0: Mm. Yeah, I will definitely. Thank you. Uh, Well, why don't I go ahead and close this in prayer right now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much, uh, for this time with Renee, uh, for a chance to, um, be together, the two of us to chat. Um, thank you for our families. Um, thank you for all the women listening today. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, provide them with a time of rest today in their busy day, um, that they may know you and, um, Come to know you even more deeply today and i pray lord that if something in this conversation has resonated with them that um, they would be able to bring that to prayer with you lord and um, that you would guide them in implementing implementing um, what you have for them and in, in their lives uh, jesus we trust in you and we love you amen amen, amen. friends This week, my daughter said something that totally stopped me in my tracks. We were in the room, playing, and my daughter said to me, Mom, could you set your phone down? Guys, I'm embarrassed to even share this. (laughs) Oh gosh, I got a new phone a few months ago that takes beautiful pictures, so I got in the habit of carrying it with me everywhere. But now I'm also in the habit of pulling it out to check Facebook or my email or to look something up that I think of that for some reason can't wait until the evening. (laughs) So my kids are getting used to seeing me on my phone. I love what Renee shared about her Lenten goal from last year, um, having intentional time set aside, just devoted to playing with her kids. This week, I'm going to choose a time each day to set my phone in the other room and sit down on the floor to play with my kiddos, distraction-free. Will you join me in that? Thanks again for listening in. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.